Habits and Health, Episode 8. Welcome to the podcast where we give you ideas on habits you can integrate into your life that will improve your health, maybe even improve your life. Today's guest, Heath Armstrong. And Heath is the author of the Sweet Ass Affirmations and the co-founder of Rage Create and various other things as well. So we're going to be hearing from Heath very soon. If you like this episode, if you like this show, why not subscribe so you get it every week when it's released on a Tuesday. And please do leave a review for us as well. That allows other people to find out more about this podcast. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Habits and Health. My guest today, Heath Armstrong. How are you, Heath? I'm excellent. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And you're, you were just telling me you're in Nashville. I am in Nashville. It is not... I grew up in Tennessee, Tony, so it, it was really complicated for me to actually make the decision to come back here last fall, actually like September, October, to deal with all this parental energy or whatever I left behind when I was like 17 and I left the area and on my own path. And But it's been very healthy as well to return for a little bit and sort of reestablish some of those uh, uncertainties as they're not really that bad, right? It's it's kind of beautiful. And I've got to spend some good time with my parents and see my sisters and stuff a lot more. So yeah, it's nice. Cool. Well, I mean, we've on this, on this podcast or in the various, I've had a lot of guests from different parts of the States, but Never had anyone from Nashville so far. So this is the first time. For, and Nashville has got this, this reputation all around the world, isn't it? Obviously for music and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a um, bit wild. Yeah. And I've been, a... I've been to a few places in the States, but I haven't been to Nashville as yet. But one day, one day I will get there. I'm actually right next to, so there's the main strip in Nashville is called Broadway. And it's like where all the honky tonk stuff goes down. And it's absolute mania, man. It's like... You can walk down there. I've been going, I walk my dog all around, you know, we're close to the Capitol or whatever, but it's just mass parades of people out there pounding drinks all day, listening to music. It's like, it's hard to believe that it's actually going on, but it is. So, And, and Heath, you want to tell the listeners, so what is it that you do? What, how do you, how do you help people? I create affirmation card decks and journaling systems, and I do podcasting episodes uh, to help guide people through basically quick mindset uh, issues or how to break their habit of hesitation and actually sustain a a life of long-term happiness, or as you used to say in the other, happy, happy versus flourishing, right? Like, what's the difference and how do you how do you navigate that? I never grew up planning that I was going to start doing that or that that was going to be my path. Um, but I think in a world where we were born in, we come in through our mother's magical portal and we're this sort of prime magical being. And then all of a sudden the world starts stacking layers upon us on what we should be or what we should think and who we should become. And those layers come from, parents. They come from tradition. They come from media networks. They come from billboards, advertisements, constant disruption via your cell phone. Um, and we kind of lose that prime self, that, that magical little creative being that we were. So I realized in my particular journey of battling with deep depressions and alcoholism and substance abuse and not having any idea how to 
get back in touch with that self that I wanted to do to be creative and to, to do something purposeful that, uh, we, we got to go through that dark pain. We got to really go through the, the shadow and the only way to the, to the lighter side of it is actually diving in deep. And so I, I really have put a lot of time and effort into helping people realize that it's not, it's not so bad. Like we don't have to, we don't have to freak out so much. We, we can really figure things out best by n- stopping trying to figure things out, right? Which has been a, a journey in itself for me. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a really beautiful transformation in the past five or six years. And what would you say, can you remember what, what caused that transformation? What, you know, so when you, things were getting really bad, what was the thing that kind of flipped it and, and kind of brought you back? <laughs> I had a, I had I had a lot of things along the journey. I was always a very empathetic child, so I I felt like I was interacting with spirit realms a lot that other people weren't, and I didn't know what that meant. And so that led. I mean, with a lot of empathetic people who feel more things, whether it's sensory or whatever, you're there's not a lot of outlets for help. And so when you're getting this overwhelm of emotion, you turn to things like substances or drugs, and I. I went to school and I studied like concrete construction and I ended like, I have no passion for that at all. I ended up in this industry. I was working in a factory making $13 an hour building these receptacles that carried human feces underground, like not seeing the light of day ever, like working early mornings, late nights and wondering how I ever got into that position. And it eventually led to some pretty bad moments of, I was drinking like a liter a day of, of liquor. It was, it was bad, but I was functioning and I was doing okay with work and I was progressing there and everyone around me seemed to be doing it too. So it seemed normal, but I had this one incident that sort of initiated, uh, the big wake up in 2011 when I woke up face down in my garage with my pants pulled down and my face up on a wooden step leading into the door and my nose had been bleeding on the step and my dogs, like the door to my house was open and my car was running in the front yard. And you're talking like a residential neighborhood. This isn't like a college frat house or anything. This is a residential neighborhood on like a Sunday morning. Uh, and I remember the way my dogs were looking at me like, what are you, they were concerned, right? And I, and I didn't have kids or like anybody else living with me and a family and, uh, it was the most miserable thing, not having any idea what had happened over the past 24, 48 hours. And it was a really hard, wow, if I continue to do all these things that I thought were going to make me happy that clearly aren't, then I'm probably going to die uh, because I've lost all value for wanting to live. And this is what's happening. And I had this magical stranger. <laughs> it was really scary for me, actually. Two years before that, in 2009, I got on a plane to go to uh, Houston, Texas to do a job interview in the oil industry before I got into, it was like working on oil riggers or something. This guy gets on a plane and he, there's a middle seat open. You know, if you've ever been on a plane and someone gets on and they're going to sit in the middle seat or whatever, and you're like, Oh, please don't. Well, this dude's specifically, I was the type of person that would judge hard. Like that's just how I was. You know, I grew up that way. I was taught that like, and it's still a really hard part of our culture today. And you see it more than ever with all the fighting and the, the breaking of unity and, and just com- conflict and chaos everywhere right now. But uh, I was like, please don't sit next to me. And this dude's like, can I sit in that seat, brother? And I'm just like, oh, no. 
and he's got this huge beard and he's got uh, tattoos all over his body. Just like looked very different, felt very different than anyone I was used to hanging out with. He had brands and like tribal brands on his body and smelled so bad. Like, you know, he hadn't taken a shower in a long time, which I found out he had it, but he, he sits down and, and he starts asking me about myself, which I don't think anyone had ever done before. Like, what do you want? What makes you excited? Why, you know, what do you love? These simple questions that we should all be asking ourselves every morning and asking each other and then supporting each other to be able to do. He, this, this guy who scared me starts asking me these questions and, and he's like, oh, you're going down there to do that. Cool. Do you love it? And I'm like, what? Like, how dare you ask me that? No one would ask me that. Like, is that, that's weird. Why are you asking me that? And I just started like all my insecurities and comforts came up and uh, he planted this seed right there that made me constantly think about everything I was doing as if I loved it. And it sent me down this road of having to deal with my demons and my traumas. And he ended up actually telling me his story right after that. He was being extradited by Rwanda because he had been in prison for four months out there for fighting for gender equality uh, for women who are victim of the genocide and protecting children. And he was actually, his village was being protected by legit Rastas. And he showed me pictures of these like, this lizard, he chopped the head off with a machete and this, or it was a black mamba and it had a lizard inside of its body. And it was in this hut. It was this, all this stuff that I felt like I'd only seen in movies, like fairy tales. Like this doesn't actually happen. People aren't really doing these kind of things with their life. And then he, he showed me these, these necklaces that, that the women, the mothers had made out there and he was bringing them back to sell them so he could raise money to go back and, and you know run water or feed them or whatever to help in any way that he could. But he was the first selfless person I ever met. He put himself at risk constantly and he came from the same place as me. He came from Tennessee. He grew up in a middle class, you know, white Christian type environment. And at a very young age, like you at a very young age learned you know, to not let things steal your energy and to react in a better way. He learned similar things and decided his calling was to go to Africa and to try to figure out how he could help things in any way that he could because he was getting all these visions about it. Well, he planted that seed and I went through that sort of downfall of like contemplating that. And the, obviously I would have loved to have just like gotten it right when he told me and made a change, but it didn't. It took me five or six more years. And so uh, 2011, that happened. Every time I had a rock bottom moment like that, I thought about him. I saw his face. I even thought about contacting him because he had sent me a book by his father two weeks after I met him and it was called No More Mondays. And it was about how you can get away from working in this traditional nine to five lifestyle. And I thought that was crazy too. I was like, no way you can actually work for yourself. And um, so in 2014 on February 13th, I think was the day I had my final rock bottom freak out where it was another three years after that, that incident with my car, uh, I woke up again and, and I, I was at the last string. Like there's no way I was moving forward unless I made changes. And those changes had to be drastic for me. It couldn't be continuing to stay in my job. It couldn't be having the surroundings of the people I was hanging out with that were really contributing, you know, in, in a lot of ways we, we try to become and just like, Oh yeah, it's cool. We all are suffering. So let's all just go get hammered every night and do whatever. Um, it was a, it was a face to face moment of, I have to remove all this stuff from my life and find this pure version of myself or I'm going to, I'm not going to make it. And, uh, that was when the universe was like, Oh, you're listening now. Okay. Now let's start to play with you. And these magical people started dropping into my life that 
basically set the seed that would change everything for me from that point on. But uh, to answer your question, like that's how it all got started for me. Well, that's, um, that's some story. <laughs> and so how, how long ago was that? Uh, what part of it? So, when you met the guy on the plane, how long ago was that? That was 2009. And then 2011 was when I woke up face down in my garage. And then 2014 was when I actually had the sort of the, the, the last call, like the rock bottom moment. I mean, I think anybody who is unaware that they are working a job that doesn't make them happy to make money that they think they need to buy things that they don't even need to impress people that you don't even like, right? You're, you're kind of, and then you're taking a bunch of substances or external stimulations to try to, um, numb yourself of the reality that you're not really that interested in it. Uh, you're, you're ripe for a rock bottom moment or a breakthrough. And, and 2014 was that last string for me. That's when, that's when I had my, I mean, I woke up again, blackout and, uh, I was in a different house this time and I, I had a jacuzzi tub in my, my room in my basement. It's so ridiculous because I'm the most minimal person that like I live like meeting in the woods with nothing now because I found so much serene value in that type of lifestyle. But uh, yeah, I pulled myself into a tub and, and it was the first time Apple had the podcasting app put on your phone automatically, at least on my phone. First time I noticed it at least. And I, and I opened it and I listened to this interview with this amazing, her, her name's Amber Ludwig or it was then, it's now Amber Vilhauer. But I listened to this woman's story on a podcast for the first time. And the way her story started was so similar to what I had been feeling and what I had been going through. And then the skill sets that she used to build out her company and then start, she, she does things where she helps authors like create their books and launch them and stuff. She has a whole company. She's, she's a really incredible thought leader in the, uh, self-help space even today. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it was like the universe, like you should, it's, it felt so connected, almost like an umbilical of like, I know this woman and something is really special here. And being an extreme introvert who would never ask for help or reach out or like just being so scared of doing that or imposter syndrome, you know, uh, I just, I got over that in the moment and I sent her a message. She said her contact, she's like anyone who's listening that, that is feeling like they need help, like reach out to me or whatever. And I was like, Oh, so I did. I sent her a Facebook message and she replied almost immediately. And I was like, Oh, Oh no. She like this woman replied. I'm actually like, she's paying attention to me. Just like the guy on the plane, the guy on the planes, by the way, his name's Jared and Gaza. He's incredible. He works for space for humanity to, to, uh, take humans into space, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's one of my best friends today, but Amber, she called me. She called me and said, she basically asked me about what I was going through and then shot down every bit of an excuse that I had that I came up with. Cause that's what we do. We all do it in a, on a micro level on a macro level. And it was like, no, that's all bullshit. And you can do any of this stuff and here's how you can do it. Are you willing to take the action to do it? Because this is your opportunity and it might not come again or whatever. And I was like, uh, what? And she connected me to two people. One was Hal Elrod. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a mm-hmm. international selling author of the, yeah, the, the miracle morning. The miracle, uh, yeah, 5am stuff. Yeah. 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 And he was, you know, this was, 
he was, he just had the one book out then the miracle morning book, but his story is insane. Like, you know, he, he got in a car wreck and almost, he was pronounced dead for six minutes and then came back and had all these visions and put, you know, to bring this morning routine to the world and remind people of how important it was. And I implemented that, which is, we talk about habits and stuff and we get into that. Like that was the first fundamental change to my routine. And then she introduced me to a guy who was a podcaster and he was like, Hey, what do you want to do in the world? And I was like, well, I I would love to travel and explore different cultures and things because I had these memories of Jared in Africa. And I was like, that would be cool and had no idea how to do it or how to get money or how to support myself or how to pay off all the debt that I had from going to school. And I mean, just all these big questions that a lot of us have, how, how do you do it? And uh, he's like, well, you have to find the people that are doing that and ask them. (laughs) Like everything was made so simple. It's like, oh, damn, you're right. And so he helped me set up the first podcast I ever did, which is back in 2014. It was called the artsy, the artsy now show. And I just started contacting people that I was intrigued by that were doing amazing creative things and asking them how they were doing it. And that, that was really what set me on the the path of studying people's habits and being able to put all the habits that I was learning that kind of overlapped into a system and, and then start using them myself, which would eventually lead me to making the transition where I did, I did get away from my job and, and pay off my debt and create businesses and sell everything that I owned and move into that sort of wild exploration of the unknown, which would lead me all over the, all over the world, you know, 20 or so countries in the past four or five years and climbing volcanoes and working with actually full circle. I'm coming back in 2017 with duffel bags full of jewelry made by women in Africa to support a school that I'm working with. So it's like, did I just, did I just fulfill this prophecy of Jared by becoming that? You know, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a weird thing when a vision becomes reality. Right. So, yeah. It's funny before we started recording and you mentioned to me about, <clears throat> about a hero's journey and and I was wondering, okay, so how, how is a hero's journey going to fit in your story? And as you're telling your story, I can just see all the components of the hero's journey. It's, uh, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It, luckily what? for me, you can go ahead if you want, but I was going to, no, I, I was flown with this. Uh, I've had a lot of help from the universe, Tony. Like I can't explain because I think a lot of people, we're like, oh, the woo-woo side of things or the magical side of things isn't real or vision to reality isn't real. And and I'm extremely adamant about how you have to show up and take action to make your visions and your reality meet each other. But I have also had in incredible amounts of universal synchronistic things happen in my life that sort of show me a sign of like, oh, I'm on the right path. Um, and they're not always, it, it, it's like, it's not, it's not an option of, Oh, that's true. But it could be looked at this way as a coincidence. Like, no, this is so specific that you can't, you can't look at it any other way. I mean, for instance, just really quick last year, I was struggling with some physical health stuff. I needed to, I felt like I needed to do something to get a lot of the energy from the world out and, and like physical purge or whatever. And my best, one of my best friends, I love her to death. Her name is Olivia and she's a shaman and she, I mean, her path has been just to heal, like work with healing people. And she works within prison systems. She works with uh, leaders of countries to help them with their energy work and things like that. And she was like, yeah, you should come to this, this Mayan uh, 
retreat that we're having around Mount Shasta. It'll be 11 days to work with this Mayan Oracle taught Eric. He's a wisdom keeper from the bloodline and like, uh, just this amazing man who is completely enthralled with working with nature and synchronistic with nature. And she told me the price, like the deposit and stuff. And I was like, we're going to stay in teepees. We're going to do sweat lodges. We're going to learn actually how to go through the traditional Mayan practice. And it's all work. It's not play. It's like you go there, it's demanding. It's hard. You're like, you know, picking weeds all day legitimately on your hands and knees. And she was like, uh, I guess if I am supposed to be there, the universe will help me out somehow and give me a sign. Cause it was coming up really quick. She's like, yeah, I think so. The deposit's $750. And I was struggling financially cause I was on the brink of like potentially filing bankruptcy for one company I'd started and starting another one. And I didn't know what direction to go. And, uh, I was like, okay, well, why don't you just help me sort of send out some thoughts to the universe and, and, uh, maybe it'll work out. Two hours later, my mom sends me a text message that's like, hey, you just got this check. I don't know what it is. It's from the state of Oregon. And it was a, a, a refund from like some personal tax thing from two years ago. And it was for the exact amount of $750. <laughs> and I sent her the picture and she was just like, well, see, like, I'll see you there in a couple weeks. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I guess you will. <laughs> like, And um, one of the, the other medicine men that worked there, his name is Raven. And as I was driving to the grocery store, right after I got that text message, there was this giant pole on the side of the road and spray painted down it was Raven, like the name in big black letters. And I was just like, whoa, this is all so weird. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that that's going to happen for everyone, but if you work on opening up what you are paying attention to with your senses, it, it totally is possible that you will start noticing things that you didn't notice before. You mentioned um, <clears throat> about five, ten minutes ago about when um, she introduced you to two people, one of which was Hal, Hal Elrod. <clears throat> yeah. And so you talked about, you know, sort of morning miracle and everything, and and he helped you with kind of habits and routines. So what what kind of changes did you start making once you became aware of what Hal was doing? What's really beautiful about his system is it's so fast. It's so quick. It's It's – you can make it as long as you want, which nowadays my morning routine actually does go into the hours um, because it's, it's something that I've added components to over time. But what it forced me to do was when you start waking up and I, you know, the sun is this gigantic ball of energy and consciousness. And what I've learned a lot from spiritual teachers and, and sort of my journey in itself is if, if you're awake, when that sun starts coming up, you are absorbing this magical energy that not only will explode your creativity and your ideas, but it sets you into the, the, the foundation that you want for your day. You're up and you're doing these things and like you're training your brain and your body to do that. And therefore you're opening yourself up to a much more opportunity throughout the day. A lot of his system, I, I had never meditated before. I, I thought meditating was hilarious. I thought it was, it's crazy now. Cause it's like the, you know, the main component of, my life in every way possible. Um, and I'm saying that because for people who, who doubt, like you can change, you, you can really discover things that you were judging before that might actually end up being the most important thing to you in your life. But, um, so I started meditating and I started journaling and I started doing like the five minutes of exercise, whether I was running a couple of miles through the, the neighborhood or whatever. Um, and practicing with affirmations, which was the seed for my writing career, because I do create affirmation card decks now. 
and these decks, you know, there's thousands of them around the world and people are constantly tagging me and thanking me and uh, saying that they were able to make, you know, get through blockages themselves and create incredible projects that are so far beyond anything I've ever created. You know, just that was a domino effect of a seed of how creativity flowing into me and then me doing my own thing with it and then it flowing out into the world and other people sort of feeling that effect and then creating their own things. We're, we're all very collective. But from a fundamental basis, it was very simple. It was, I can't stay up and drink anymore because I have to get up early and this is a more important commitment. And therefore, if I do drink and I don't get up early, it throws me off of my commitment of what I want to become and my long-term vision. And I've really understood in, in some, one of the main things I help people with in a specific way is how to set your, your core mantra or your values of who you want to become and then align your long-term visions and your 100-day visions and your daily actions and all of the foundational habits all in one line with each other so that they're not, you know, alignment and intention being all over the board. It's like if the things that you're doing with your habits are in support of your daily actions, which are in support of the things on your vision board, which are in support of this person that you want to become long-term, then you're going to make progress in that direction. And I think his system with just let's create a sacred space, let's breathe a little bit, let's move our body and let's take a little bit of time to think about who we are and what we want to become and how we're going to do that. Those simple things are just the foundation of, of everything still to this day. And I think it's, you can do that on a, on a personal level. Then you can also do that on a business level or on a, on a creative level, but you can't, I don't think you can be truly happy or flourishing or successful without being personally, you know, in there, you know, like you have to, you have to be able to say, oh, all this chaos is happening and I'm not going to give my energy to that. That's what makes you happy, right? It's sitting around a fire looking at people in the eyes and saying, I love you and I'm enjoying this fire. Not, oh, I, I really wish we could sit here longer because I got to go to work tomorrow and I'm just really worried about it. It's like, how often can you be in the moment and realize like, wow, that's a beautiful tree. I wonder I wonder how long this tree has been here. I wonder who planted this tree. Did it, did it fall from this other tree over here that's a little bit bigger? what is the lineage of this and how many people walk by this tree a day and how many people notice that it's here. And it's like, so yeah, that, that morning foundation, everything. What is it? I mean, obviously the last 12 months has been very different for most people around the world. So, so maybe not so much the last 12 months, but the last 24 months, what kind of things have you been doing? I've been going really heavily inward with, the development of, of myself in the last 24 months has come really heavily from the contemplation of death, really. Uh, I did go through some pretty intense ceremonies with indigenous cultures and trying the Mayan thing really changed a lot for me. But what it did was it sent me into a, a really hardcore analysis or I guess a leaning analysis is such a weird word, a leaning into soul like who are we and what's the purpose of being here and that led me into doing a lot more things with nature and i was able to learn so much about fire water air earth and how all of these elements actually are, we're completely dependent on them but we actually are them right we're, it's they're all a part of us and so how do we pay attention to that and so i spent a lot of time last year 
uh, and because the wildfires are so bad on the West where I was living, I mean, it was intense. Like it was, these elements are right in front of your face. Um, I was spending time in bodies of water meditating and then I would get out of the bodies of water and I would, and I would let that wind hit my skin and be like, Oh, like this is now I feel this wind on my skin because my skin's wet from the water. They're working together in unison. How do I warm myself up now? Like, Oh, you build a fire, you sit by this fire, you build yourself up and then, okay, how do you replenish yourself? Well, you're sitting on the earth and it it just starts to, you start to realize that there's really nothing to freak out about, right? You're, you're cradled. You are part of something extraordinary. And we've almost as humans forgotten that we're part of the earth and, a lot of my health transition and the things that I've been doing and, and even helping people out, out with this past year have been around earthing. Like, how do you spend more time on earth? How do you take your shoes off and go running through the forest, you know, rip your clothes off, run through the forest and climb up an apple tree in the rainstorm and swing down into the, the puddles of mud, like this a glorious elixir of earth and stop, stop worrying and stop, stop trying so hard to, to figure things out. Uh, because it's been, it's been sentimental. It's like death is really your best friend. It's the only constant reminder of, of how important each moment is. And I think that when we learn that death can be our teacher, it can be our, our friend, it can be our guru, it can be our wisdom, then we're able to, to understand that each one of these moments that we have is really important. And we should be telling people that we love them instead of fighting with them. And we should be having conversations that are meaningful and creating things and doing things that make our hair stand up and excite us. Um, so that's been a lot of my journey the past two years from a, a spiritual side, but on the, the physical sort of productive side of things, I've been, I've been pretty pulled back from writing and creativity, but way more intentful when I'm doing it. And so I was able to create another affirmation deck. And I actually worked with an amazing woman to build a journaling system for diabetics uh, to guide them through creating habits in their life and setting their vision to, to alleviate stress, which would then lower your blood glucose levels, which was a really cool project because I'm not diabetic and she is, and she had a company where she coaches diabetics. Um, she, she has a company called party, like a diabetic actually. And, she presented it to me because she had used my happiness journaling system and was like, I really want to make a version of this for, for diabetics. And so that was a cool project too. And then, um, I've just been having deep conversations, Tony, and, and like asking questions and spending a lot of time in medicine spaces and, and playing sound bowls and stuff like that, because I found that it's the most alleviating thing for, um, stress or anxiety, which I really rarely ever have anymore, honestly. Just going back to, you mentioned just now about the happiness uh, journal and the diabetic journal. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that and how that came about? Yeah. So the happiness journal was, I made in 2017 after I met Amber and then I met Hal and then I uh, met Paul and I started podcasting and interviewing people and just asking questions. A lot of things started to unfold and I met people and and opportunities exploded and uh, I tried a lot of things. I failed a lot of projects that I thought could work. I didn't know what was going to end up working. But the one thing that, that really started, I under, started to understand was I did create a business that did a bunch of you know crazy numbers and sales and things like that that ultimately led to me not, not increasing my happiness at all, right? When you get more money, like it didn't. And then I wasn't in alignment with it, so it was all falling apart, and I had to go through that as well. Like I 
like, wow, I created this thing that, that was incredible. It was doing like six figure months. And then I, I don't want to contribute to this, like what it's doing within the world. It's not my highest self. And now I have to go through that. The other side of it was I'm looking at all these habits and I'm putting them into my life and I want to be able to help other people do this, but I was still scared. Uh, I did not realize that when you start to help other people so much, that's the real only true form of abundance. And when you talk about happiness to this day, if anyone asks me a question, like what's the number one thing that will increase your happiness, help people go out and help people without expectation, help people without expecting anything in return, like paint because you love painting, not because you want someone to buy it. Uh, and it's just, I put all of those habits into a journaling system and my dog, I was, I had all these six different journals <laughs> that I was carrying around. One was like, I was track, I was giving gifts every day and tracking a journal to like, to log how it made me feel. Um, anyone wants to learn more about that. There's an amazing book called 29 gifts by Cami Walker. She had an autoimmune disease that affected her very painfully and nothing was helping her happiness or to feel good. And she went through this really incredible transformation of gift giving. And it's all about her story and it's really good. But I was doing what she was doing essentially. And it was incredible. And my dog, <laughs> that was just one of the journaling systems I was keeping. My dog peed all over these journals one day for no reason in the house. And it was weird because my coach had been telling me, you need to put these into one journaling system for others to use. And I was being resistant to it. And I went down there to meditate and it was just like all this dog pee all over my journals. And it was awful. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess that's a sign from the universe that I need to put all these into one journaling system. And so I did. And I created an actual AMPM sort of system that, that people could use. And it was called the Sweet Ass Journal to Develop Your Happiness Muscle in 100 Days. And then that went out into the world and I expected maybe like three or four people maybe to get it that were in my family. Uh, but it actually took off and did decently well for someone who had never written anything or put anything out. And, you know, I ended up selling thousands of those and, uh, and people started coming back and, and giving me feedback and like telling me about their transformations. And it was just like, Whoa, this is real abundance. Like this is real magic. And, uh, that, that rolled into the diabetic journal system two years after that. Uh, which had a rough, a little bit more of a rough launch because we tried to launch it right in March of 2020, which as we all know, was a tough, tough time to do anything, but um, still nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a cool project. But, but so the happiness journal, you, what actually, how does it, how does it help people? What can you be more specific about what, what's in the happiness journal? Yeah. So there's, it, it, it walks you through, creating a vision of, of who you want to become and essentially setting your three visions over a 100 day period. I've actually built this out into a much more in depth system that I'm getting ready to launch for free soon. Um, but this, this journaling system in particular, you set your, your short term visions essentially over a 100 day period. And the reason that I use 100 days is because I saw a lot of overlap with people that I really respected that were using 100 day periods to track goals of bringing something to life because you can track each day by 1%. So it really translates to you could create a spreadsheet and have these habits that you're working on at the top and you have a hundred days to going down the column. And every day you wake up and you look at these habits and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to, I'm going to take this step forward. And if one of those habits is actually doing two things that day to move towards your vision uh, and you're tracking it over 100 days, it can be very effective because you're constantly thinking about it. Um, 
So you set your vision and then it's an AM and PM format where you wake up in the morning and if you implement something like your morning routine, like how Elrod teaches in the Miracle Morning, uh, you go through different exercises, which is a weird word. So I kind of like to call them like freedom actions or whatever, but you start with gratitude and sort of thinking about things that make you smile, which brings back that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling of like, actually there is a lot around me. That's, that's good because we talked about earlier how pessimism is a, is a really big thing that people can get sucked into. Um, and from the gratitude practice, then you go into extra stuff around idea generation. Uh, and that's really just to keep your mind juicing in different areas. It, it's not necessarily to have an expectation of it's going to produce some idea that's going to change your life. It's more about your thinking, your thinking, you're keeping that, that, that mind working and that muscle building. Um, and then it, it walks you through a program of eliminating distractions physically and mentally. Because minimalism in a physical form changed everything for me. When I, I got rid of 1,761 items that I owned in my transformation. And there's two very simple ways that anyone can go through a physical transformation of minimalism. And one of them is just the fun way that I did it was I started on day one. And you go from day one to day 30. And on day one, you get rid of one thing that is not contributing absolute value to your life and who you want to become. And on day two, you get rid of two more things. And the goal is to get over that hump of resistance of the first five days of the attachments you have to your things, because really we are attached to them, but they own us, right? Like we spend our time cleaning them, updating them, paying money for them. Uh, It's like all of the stuff that we do goes to our stuff. Like they, they own us. We don't own them. And you get through that hump and it just starts to feel so clean and so decluttered. And you get this like fire going of like, oh, this is this is nice because when you remove all of that stuff, you create space for things that actually matter to you. And you can get your life down to a point of only interacting with – it's not just material things, right? It's people that are around you and things that you're paying attention to, books that you're reading. Only interacting with things that are in alignment and helping you become this higher version of yourself that you want. So you go through this this minimalism game. You go all the way through day 30. I actually ended up going to day 56 or 57 because I had so much stuff. And I would take a picture of everything that I was getting rid of so that I could like log it. Um, and then after that, it's it's gift giving. So that's based off of Cami Walker's thing. It's just, what can, I, what can I do today? What kind of gift can I give today? Or how can I be of service today? And you're journaling about it. It doesn't mean that you have to go buy a cake for someone. You know, you could, you could legitimately just smile at someone on the street who looks upset because that can change their day. It can change everything. It's an exchange. Um, and that in itself, that gift giving part, if you do nothing else, like I said before, if you, if you try to be of service in one way every single day and you journal about it, it's going to change your life positively. No doubt. It's going to make you think differently and it's going to allow you to create space to become a, a better person and that person that you want to be, to, to be in alignment with. Um, so, and then the other main thing on the AM side is you, you pick two things every single day that you are going to accomplish to move towards that vision that you said at the beginning of the journaling system. And so I did that before I had the journals with a note card. Like I watched this old, incredible Earl Nightingale video called the strangest secret. It's for free on YouTube. I suggest everyone watch it. And, uh, I, I was taking a a note card every single day and I was writing my vision on one side and then I would flip it over and I would write two things I was going to do that day to move towards that vision. And that principle is put into the journaling system uh, because 
it's a reminder, just like anything else, vision boards, all the stuff that we've been talking about, all the stuff that you always talk about, you're, you're constantly reminding yourself of who you want to become. And therefore, when you're not thinking about it, you're subconsciously going to be able to make decisions in alignment with that action. Uh, and then on the PM side of things, you're celebrating the stuff that you did for the day. One of the main things that I noticed people were doing that was actually really helping them that I was skeptical of, but then I started doing it and was like, oh, this is cool, is writing down everything that you do throughout the day. Everything. I mean, brushing your teeth, putting your shoes on. At the end of the day, sit down and write down everything that you remember doing throughout the day because you do so much more than you could possibly imagine. And you have so much more time than you think. And that, that space isn't even big enough to get everything down. I noticed that I was like, oh, I need like two pages for this every single day. Um, so the celebration thing is really cool. And then there's a preparation for the next morning, which is something Hal teaches. It's what are the two things I'm going to do tomorrow to work towards my vision, right? And, and, and knowing that before you go to sleep alleviates a lot of stress when you wake up and you're like, oh, where's my coffee? I don't know what I'm doing today. What's important? You already know, like you've already taught your brain, okay, I'm going to wake up and this is the thing I'm going to accomplish today. And it doesn't have, you know, if you can only do one thing, great, but just do something, do, do, do anything. Because if you're taking that baby step, it takes you a long way. And then there's a reflection section where essentially you're sort of reflecting on your journey and how far you've come. And I think that's, that's always really important. And it's just a more extended version of the celebrating in itself. Uh, and so the system walks you through 100 days, essentially, of doing these things, and you're sort of tracking how it changes your life. And, and people really pertain to different sections I've found in the study of happiness. In particular, I've done a lot more like scientific study with it since I put that journaling system out. And certain things appeal to other people in different ways, right? But the one thing that across the board has been a very consistent thing in studies of feedback has been the gift giving and the taking, the taking action, obviously, but the, the gift giving as well. What about, how do you um, handle a situation when people feel that they're not able to journal on a consistent basis? They, for whatever reason, they feel they can't, they don't remember to do it daily or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's, that's me, right? That's a lot of us. I, the journaling system that I made is actually built as a, a kind of a mosaic where you can draw or color or write one big word or write a lot of small words. It's meant specifically to not feel like a journaling system for that reason. I don't want it to look like a workbook or whatever. Um, I have a, a, a little tracker at the bottom of it that says you are at, you know, if you're on day three, it says you are 3% done with developing this happiness muscle over 100 days, but it's not a dated journal. So you don't do, you don't have to do it every single day in a row. It, it's great. People have done it. They've told me that they did it, but like, I couldn't do that because there are days when you get thrown off. And then if you get thrown off, you don't want to feel like you're behind now because when you start feeling like you're behind, then you don't go back into it. And then you just abandon the whole thing. So I think with anything that you do, if you have a 100 day period and you show up one day and you do something towards your vision out of that 100 day period, it's better than showing up zero days right? So if you show up 30 days out of 100 days, you're still at a 30% success, but you have 70 more days throughout that near future to be able to work through that. Um, if anyone feels like you can't journal every day and you can't do that type of thing, it's all about breaking your habit of hesitation. Everyone is on a different scale of what type of time we have, how much time we can, you have kids, you have jobs, you might have multiple jobs. Uh, it's, 
it's, can you, can you find 10 minutes a day to breathe and think about who you are and, and what you're doing with your intent? And it could come in the form of journaling. It could come in the form of exercise, running outside, you know, going on a jog. It could come in the form of reading something inspirational in a book or having a really good conversation with someone. It doesn't always have to be the same thing. Uh, as long as you're, you're reminding yourself of, of who you are and, and you're doing things that are in alignment with that. So overwhelm is a gremlin that tries to stop you from being creative and it's resistance and resistance is the death of creativity and the death of ourselves. And the more we can work on breaking our habit of hesitating, uh, the more we can overcome resistance. And I think breaking your habit of hesitating comes from training. Like you have to wake up and say, okay, no matter what excuses is here, I'm going to write one word in this journal today, or I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to go on that walk. First thing, no matter what, like, don't think about it. You get five seconds to count down and you do it. And the better you get at that, the better you can get at overcoming any obstacle that comes your way. Uh, and that's the most simple thing I could give advice around that about, I think. Well, um, I'm wondering what brings you flow? What do you get completely lost in and time just flies by and you don't even realize? <sighs> Climbing mountains. <laughs> like legitimate going out in nature and walking through the woods, uh, I think we absorb a lot of energy from this world. You know, there's EMFs everywhere that are coming into our body. And if you do take your shoes off and you do stand outside, you're absorbing more electrons than you could possibly get by eating blueberries all day. These electrons add, they act like antioxidants, I should say. You could get more electrons acting as antioxidants than you could get antioxidants from eating blueberries all day. And what antioxidants do in your body is they are able to balance free radicals. Uh, free radicals are the cells that are out of balance that are really, they're really attacking and causing havoc and creating inflammation. And um, electrons are magical because they can lend a, a charge to a free radical and balance it without damaging itself. And so if you have this unlimited supply of these coming directly from nature, but we're spending 95% of our life with our rubber shoes on sitting in you know this high rise that I'm in and not being connected to earth at all, it's no wonder why we have so much inflammation and why our minds aren't working and why we're depressed and why we're not creative and, and why we're, you know, our neurological systems aren't working correctly. So for me, it, it's not only the fascination of, of walking in nature and seeing it like life, like this is, this is all happening on its own without humans helping it. Like nature is happening regardless. We are a part of it, but we forget that. Um, it's also, wow, this is the most meditative thing I can be doing is noticing this and walking. I get lost in it. This actually inputs all of my creativity. It connects me to my muse. I get the best ideas when I'm in nature. Uh, I, I come back from doing something like climbing a mountain or, or backpacking in the woods or whatever. And, and I'm just like in, in this serene state of calmness, like, oh, that's always there. Like we can always go back there and do it. It's just so much of us haven't done it. So that's what I've been getting lost in and, and writing as well, obviously creating things that this, this new vision system that I've been working on is really exciting that I've been getting really getting real lost into for sure. Do you, do you read much? Yeah, a lot, a whole lot. What kind of stuff do you read? Mostly nonfiction. Uh, although I do read some fiction, but it's, I like really dark fiction for some reason. I love Cormac McCarthy books and, um, I, I've been just really in the philosophical realm mostly in the last couple of years. 
a lot of a lot of McKenna, a lot of Alan Watts, Ram Dass. I really enjoy Bukowski too for his writing techniques, but he's also quite quite a a maniac. But there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff. I, I'm, I'm the type of person that has 20 books open at a time and I'm not like, sometimes they take me years to get through, but some of them I'll finish in like a week or a couple of days if I get really into one and I don't pull myself away from it. So if you would, uh, can you think of a book that's really captivated you in some way in the last few months, years, something that you'd recommend for people to listen or to read? So Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Indonesia and I, I was with this amazing, wondrous dude. His name is Justin Fairman. He actually runs, uh, it's called Flow Consciousness Institute, where he teaches people a lot of different, amazing, <laughs> like effective, creative people how to flow better with life. And he has this magazine, and it's, I think it's called Flow Consciousness Magazine. It might have a different name. I think that's it, though. Uh, and so he gets all of these people sending him these books that want, they want him to feature in the, the magazine. And he was telling me when I was in Indonesia with him, we were talking about books and reading. And he was like, we were asking the question about like what has been the most impactful book. And at the time I was telling him it was mainly Stephen Pressfield stuff for me. Like uh, Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield was one of the biggest catalysts for me to like stop stop dicking around and start actually taking action and like being even more effective than I thought I was already being. And, um, he, he was like, yeah, well, I get all these books and they just sit in the corner of my place. There's just stacks and stacks of them. And he's like, and, and every day I just kept like looking over at these books and this one just kept standing out to me. And so he's like, then I read it and, and he's like, it just, I don't even know how to explain the story of it other than it is the hero's journey essentially, but I just feel like you need to read this book. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And so he, he gave me this, this book, uh, and it's called the immortal self and it's by Ari Binder Himadra. And this book is about a journey of, of a, of a guy who was, you know, in the United States who started getting all these weird universal signs that he needed to go to the, the Himalayas and like everyone thought he was crazy and, it's a true story. Uh, and he, he would have dreams and he would see commercials with all these signs. And he was like, what is this thing? Why? Like, I need to go out here and do this. And he went on this exploration and I won't get into the extreme details about it, but he goes out there and he, he's, you know, he finds this monk in a cave and like, it just goes, it, it goes from there into this unbelievable life transformation. And now Arivindra is a, he is a wisdom keeper of the Amarta masters, which are a spiritual group of, of masters that are, said to have lived in the Himalayas somewhere that aren't accessible unless you can get there via a spirit realm with help. Uh, he teaches about this in Orca Island, I think is where he lives now in Washington. Uh, but the story is like unbelievable and you're reading it and you're like, it, it's so detailed and magical that it, it can't be made up. You know, you're just like, this isn't, this is channeling from somewhere and this is an experience this guy was actually having, whether he was in a trance laying in his bed or he was actually in the Himalayas, which is what he, he claims uh, it was happening regardless, either in that spiritual realm or the physical realm or both simultaneously. So I read this book and it's, it's incredibly impactful, but I was also like, wow, these universal signs that I keep picking up because I, I have a lot of those things happen to me. 
and then I follow them and then it leads me to this person who changes my life, you know, and it happens over and over to me. And that's part of flow, right? Well, I met my acupuncturist and she's just magical because this woman had actually, she rode her bike across the country and then like ended up in, in Nepal and she wasn't planning on being an acupuncturist, but she also had an interaction with someone out there that led her on to helping set up acupuncture clinics in Nepal. And now she, she brought back all these sound bowls, like handmade Tibetan sound bowls. And she set up and like, she's just this wondrous healing woman. And I was doing a session with her and I started to tell her about this book because she said to me, you're not seeing with both your eyes. You need to have your other eye open. And I was like, Oh, I'm starting to do that because I'm seeing these signs and I have this book and I start to just get into the very beginning of that book. And she goes, she interrupts me and she's like, Oh, that sounds a lot like my friend. And she tells me this whole story about her friend who is not Ari Vinder Himadra. And the story was almost exactly the same as what was in the book. Just like a little, you know, obviously some details different, but it was mind blowing to me. Cause I was like, how did that all come full circle? And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you now because you just described the book. She was like, really? She's like, that's my friend. He, he's really like, cool dude. You should, you should uh, meet him sometime. I was like, what? but it's not Ari Vindra, the guy who wrote the book. She's like, no. So, uh, that book is really, really special. If anyone is interested in a, in a good read. And is that, is that widely available that book? Yeah, I believe it's on, I know it's on Amazon in the U S but it's a, I think it was carried by sounds true publishing. Maybe, um, it should be, okay. you should be able to find this for sure. Okay. It's well, if I, I I'll cover. put I'll put it in, I'll put it in the show notes if I if I can find the links to it. Yeah, if, I if can link you to it. If you out, cool. Okay. And if people want to find out more about you and connect with you, where where would they go to? Yeah, if anyone ever has uh, really wants to reach out and has questions or anything, I'm open, total open book. You can de- direct message me directly on uh, Instagram at Heath Fist Pumps. And as far as my work, heatharmstrong.com will get you pretty much to anything that you could want. Uh, Ragecreate.com is where we make the affirmation decks and things like that. Both of those sites are new sites are coming up very soon for both of them. So I'm excited for that. But, and then I'm just, yeah, never stop peaking podcast. And I'm working on a new one called uh, 60 second power affirmations, which are just like quick little two to three minute. I know it's funny because the title 60 second, that's the affirmation part. Uh, there are little meditations that I'm doing that'll be out soon that I think really help people with breathing and mindset. That's been a good fun project recently. And so the podcast you mentioned, what, what kind of thought do you interview people? Is it just you sort of telling stories? What, what was the podcast about? Yeah, it's a mixture of solo episodes. There are, there is a lot of storytelling. There is a lot of interviewing as well, or like deeper conscious type conversations, but it's really just another method of motivation for creative minds. Uh, I, d- I dive deeply into subjects around spirituality. A lot of the stuff we talked about today, vision to reality, even get into plant medicine and psychedelics a little bit. Uh, although I am 100% certain that the most psychedelic thing you could ever do is complete sobriety. And so no one should actually, I don't, I'm not an advocate to say that anyone should go out and go find, you know, ayahuasca in the middle of a Mexican jungle and have some life-changing experience. And although I've been there and I've done those types of things, I also really understand that uh, you can get there by a lot of different aspects and that, that mainly 
the quickest and most impactful way I think is through just deep meditation and sobriety. Um, but yeah, lots of different topics, lots of fun stuff. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of mania, honestly, it's, it's about personal optimization and human health as well. So, uh, yeah. And just before we finish Heath, and I believe you've got a, there's a quotation that you quite like. Uh, I do. I have one that I've been loving lately and it's John O'Donohue. Um, and it's really around embodying your work, right. And what you're doing with your life. This can come on a very, a very minuscule scale of what you're doing with yourself or other people, but it's made the, may the sacredness of your work bring healing light and renewal to those who work with you and those who see and receive your work. And I, I just love that. I also love when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro by Hunter S Thompson, but it's another energy, right? And, and the John Donahue one, what is it? Why does that resonate with you? I think it's a reminder of, of, being just bringing sacredness to everything and ceremony and you don't pray for rain, right? You pray rain. Something taught Eric always says you remove the space that you think this thing is divine or you think that that nature is, is this, this heavenly thing, or you think that this other person is better than you. And it's not like, we're all just, we're all the same. We're all kind of just different projections of each other at different times fading in and out. And, it reminds me to, to not allow any of that, that yuck to get into the things that I'm doing and to remember that it's all very sacred and it's not just for you, but it's for bringing light and healing and renewal to everyone else as well. And therefore, when I sit down to write something, you know, I'm in, I'm in alignment with who I want to be. And that's, that's somebody who's helping other people. And uh, I don't go off into other tangents that are complaining or talking about what's wrong with the world or pointing out all the bad stuff. It's just a reminder to always, to always be self-centered or to always be centered in the beauty of the self and how things start internally, not to be, not to be self-centered in like a selfish way. <laughs> oh, Heath, um, it's an hour. It's just flown by. So thank you very much for your time. And um really appreciate you coming on the episode. Tony, man, I really appreciate it too. And it was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Next week, episode nine with Dr. Gabriella Fondano. She has a PhD in human nutrition in foods and exercise. She's qualified in exercise, sport, in health education, a health coach. I mean, her list of qualifications, we'd be here for the next couple of hours just reading them out. It's a, it's a really interesting episode. She's got some great information talking about body image and nutrition and, and health. And we go deep into some of those areas. So that's next week, Dr. Gabriela Fandada. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Heath Armstrong. If you know anyone who would probably get some value from some of the information that he's shared please please do share the episode with them why not maybe send a send us send a screenshot of the image to them and with, uh, with the link or whatever please do subscribe leave a review and i hope you have a great week